everyone. This is the Walking Well Podcast, and I am your host, Jawan Martz. We have spent some really awesome time talking about mental health, and I really hope it's been good to you. I have learned a lot. I'm so grateful for um, the people that have been on and have shared their expertise and experience. And um, you guys know how I feel about uh, sort of lesser talked about topics, especially when it comes to church. And so I'm stoked about this. And this conversation is one that I'm so excited we're having, and I'm so excited for our guest um, today. Aaron Pruitt is with us. Um, and little background on Aaron and I's relationship. She and I did grad school or did internship during grad school, a little bit of it together. And so um, when I was kind of like thinking about who I wanted to come on and talk about what, um, just knowing how she is, seeing all the things that she's into and just how she's really an advocate for women. Um, let me know that it was like, yes, Erin, that's the one. <laughs> so Erin, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, your passions, all that good stuff? Yeah. So thanks for having me. First of all, um, as you said, I'm Erin Pruitt and I am an LMHC in the state of Florida. And really, um, that's kind of the degree, the title, but really I like to speak about who I am and what I'm passionate about more than what I do, because I just really believe who we are, um, guides and dictates and directs what we do. And so, as you said, I do believe in advocating strongly for women and being a voice for those who might not have voice. So what that looks like currently is I currently um, am working full time at Rethreaded, which is an organization that works with survivors of human trafficking. And then I also contract some group therapy to women who are incarcerated. And I have a few handful of clients on the side here and there, and then just sort of following where God guides and leads aside from that. Yeah. So when I told you guys she's an advocate for women, I meant it. <laughs> um, yeah, she's done amazing work. And like you said, currently, but she's done some awesome things in the past too. And so, um, yeah, I just, I'm excited. Okay. So we're talking about trauma today, guys. Whoop, whoop. Really exciting. Um, trauma, not exciting, but to discuss it, I think is really good. Um, and so I think the word trauma, especially in, you know, the 21st century within the past five years, even has become a lot more of not just a buzzword, but more of a mainstream term where it was, whereas it may have been considered like jargon in the past, you know, um, where like maybe people that had been to therapy or therapists or psychologists knew kind of, oh, this is trauma. That's what trauma means. I think I've heard my sister say, granted, I've said trauma, something's traumatizing, but you hear kids now say like, oh, that's traumatizing or that's, I'm trauma, you know, I have trauma, you know, or things like that. And so um, can you kind of just give us what you would say is like your working definition of trauma? Yeah, absolutely. So if, you know, to me, I'll go a couple different directions on this. One is that technically it's an emotional response to a traumatic event, right? However, I think that in our society, sometimes we think of trauma as very specifically, and I like to think about it in terms of much more broad. I like to open up the conversation about what is trauma for the individual and understanding and recognizing that what is trauma for one person may not be for another. And that there's much, um, there's a lot at, play whether one sees it as trauma or not. I am really super excited to see that we're talking about trauma more because it used to be years and years ago. I feel like trauma was sort of like this, um, this bruise that you covered up that it was like, okay, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to show this. I don't want to even 
um, even think about mentioning that I might be a survivor or a victim of trauma. And now I feel like that is a lot more in the open in terms of conversation. Um, so we've come a really far away. Um, we've come a long way in this area, but we still have a long way to go. Gotcha. So when you talk about, um, kind of all the different directions of trauma. So like, what are the types, like kind of like, what are the type, yeah, types of trauma? So I think about trauma in three categories, really the acute trauma, the one-time trauma, the chronic trauma, which is over time again and again. And then of course, um, we have complex trauma, which is multiple traumas over, you know, years. Um, and that is really has an incredibly devastating impact on the, on the human, on the individual. And I also think about the types, and this is where I really get passionate because I think historically we always talked about sexual trauma, uh, physical trauma, and maybe even emotional trauma. But I think an important one that we've left out, um, even in mental health circles is spiritual trauma that very, there's a lot of people who are not well-versed or addressing spiritual trauma. And yet I have found it prevalent, um, in our culture is the spiritual piece. And then we also have to think about when we think about trauma, the developmental trauma, we have to think about generational trauma, historical trauma. We also have to think about cultural trauma. We have to think about environmental trauma. We have to think about, um, worldwide (laughs) trauma. And so I think there's sometimes we get so laser focused in on just the, the three main that perhaps society talks about, and we miss on addressing all the other traumas that happen in other, in people's lives, really. Yeah, you listed a ton. <laughs> and even like, you know, as a therapist myself, I was like, oh, yeah, there's generational, there's historical, there's environmental, you know, all these different. It's not just this like specific event. And I think and right now we're recording during kind of like the COVID-19 outbreak. And so people are being traumatized currently, like at an alarming rate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, so what yeah. would you say um, you mentioned spiritual trauma? I really kind of want to get into that. So how, like, how do you define that? What does that look like? How does that happen? Yeah. (laughs) I figured it would be a big one. I love that we're going there. I love that we're going there. (laughs) So when um, we go back to the definition of an emotional response to a traumatic event, when I think about spiritual trauma, I think about that someone was impacted in a negative way, harmed, because of a trauma that happened spiritual. So when we think about spiritual, we think about what are the spiritual places or in the context of a spiritual angle or approach. Um, So let me put some context on this, what this could sound like. It could sound like using um, biblical messages, um, but, but pairing that with a harmful action, right? So then that individual has paired in their mind, sort of like if you think about like peanut butter and jelly, when we think of one, we think of the other, that their their, um, physiological response, uh, their somatic response, the way that their body is, especially if it's related to sexual trauma, but it can be paired with this message that was given in the spiritual context. So I think there's that aspect. um, And, you know, I think there's also this spiritual trauma that can happen in um, sort of a systematic trauma um, when we're under the umbrella of cultures, then other sub traumas can happen under the name of a spiritual 
um, guide or a pastor or um, a leader in a spiritual circle. So, and I think there's also some spiritual trauma that can happen when it's not, when you are under the umbrella of, um, or involved with, let's say a church and you bring trauma into that space or you've already experienced trauma and by no fault of your own, but then the church is ill-equipped to address it. So perhaps they even do their best in addressing it, but because they're not trained or equipped, sometimes harm can be done. And so when I talk about spiritual trauma, I'm really talking about harm that's done that impacts the individual um, within that circle. Gotcha. That was good. That was good. That that was like an Easter egg, guys. I didn't plan that one. That's good. (laughs) Um, Okay. So of all the kinds of trauma that you listed, what do you think is most common? What do you come across most often? You know, that's a really difficult question to answer because I would say it depends. Um, I think it depends on if we're taking a community approach or if we're taking a global approach. Um, So part of my background is I've spent some time internationally. And so, you know, working, for instance, with um, the refugee population, the trauma that they were experiencing the most, you know, symptoms of war, right? So there was a lot of physical trauma. There was a lot of emotional trauma. Here in the United States, in our community, which I'm in Jacksonville as well, um, it's to me a little bit different. To me, the the probably prevalent that I'm seeing, and I don't have the research or the data to back this, would be uh, sexual trauma, the, of course, the physical trauma. And I actually believe um, there's quite a bit as well of generational and spiritual trauma in our area. Um, from years and years and years. And we are um, in a very, in a community where there are a lot of churches. There is a lot of background in terms of faith-based where parents, grandparents were part of um, church communities. And so I feel like there's a a high, high amount of spiritual trauma here as well. Yeah, I definitely, yes. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting kind of like mixed bag here because we are in the South. Um, So there's lots of churches, but because we're in the South, we're also kind of, conservative in a way that can be a hotbed for lots of different types of abuses um, yes. and not having conversations uh, around intimate partner violence. Um, you know, I, I think relation relationally, I think sometimes we struggle in this space a lot. And even as you mentioned um, with, you know, church spaces, spiritual spaces, um, sometimes there's not like this really good, Sometimes we lack in really good teaching to help people rightly divide, okay, God is love, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you go and God wants, you know, you loving God looks like you killing someone or you, you know, um, raping someone, like, no, 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 you know, like helping people understand to how to rightly divide things. Um, and it being in the South, I think, makes for a really mixed bag. Of, not that that stuff doesn't happen in other areas of our country, but I can definitely see kind of some of the, like, oh, no, that's not, you know, kind of um, way that trauma happens in our community, especially in working with the population that I work with, which is um, kids in care and their families, families that have adopted from care. Um, You see a lot of things. You definitely see a lot of things, a lot of dysfunction um, that leads to trauma and kind of the cyclical, when you say generational, um, like in my work, we see kids who, you know, have been in care themselves, having children that end up in care, you know, and sort of the cycle of what you don't know. And that's where I would say, I mean, I, 
I love the church. I believe in the church. And yet I would say that there's times where if a system is dysfunctional, they may not realize the system is dysfunctional, right? Until years later, or someone else is removed out of the system, or someone from the outside of the system comes and goes, whoa, that's dysfunctional, or there's more education or research to kind of point to, wait, this is dysfunctional. So I definitely um, am always cautious to not, you know, fault years ago people who continued in this system that they didn't know. And we can, we'll probably talk about that a little later, later but basically the idea of People, I, be, I believe, I carry the belief that people do better when they know better uh, a lot of times. And so a lot of that begins with, okay, wait a second, education. Um, and so I, I definitely don't take, a, I, I love to shine the light on, but I definitely don't take a criticism approach. I take a education, align with love, seek to understand approach and then um, seek for those shifts to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think I don't. It's hard to believe, especially in the work that we do, that people are bad, you know, more so they're either unskillful or they just don't know. That's because you always have to be hopeful that people can change and can do better. Um, And so, yeah, education and and, yeah, just knowing better. Um, So how as a clinician are you seeing people, you know, your average everyday chick who's going to Walmart or, you know, woman who's dropping her kids off, how are you seeing, or even just in the work that you do with the women that you work with, um, how are you seeing people deal with trauma themselves? Yeah. Well, actually, can so, we take a step back? Can I ask you symptoms sure. of trauma? Like how do, how would you know that you've experienced trauma? What are some of those symptoms? Absolutely. So a lot of times when there's, um, symptoms of trauma, there's, um, fight when we're in a trauma response, our brain, fight, flight, freeze, faint, fawn, right? And so you might see someone, um, either a child or an adult could be really, um, you know, getting in a lot of fights, could be getting in a lot of trouble, could be outbursts of anger at work, could be these types of things, could be an abuser in a domestic violence situation. I believe that's all unaddressed trauma, right? You could also have that person who's constantly running to the next thing or constantly um, adding something to their plate because they simply are not able to sort of sit with themselves and remain in the quiet, right? Um, You could also have someone really dissociating a lot, like uh, the trauma response um, where, you know, they are disconnected. They're disconnected. You might say this might look like a person who goes to the doctor and says, I don't know what I feel um, because they're so disconnected from their own bodies that they're, they, they're not able to actually um, put into words what they're feeling. The other one that you can have is kind of this compliant behavior where there's constant compliance. You're going to see things like um, perhaps a lot more illness with a survivor of trauma, a lot of difficulty sleeping, a lot higher anxiety, perhaps higher depression. Um, And you're going to see a lot of undiagnosed somatic symptoms like they don't have cancer, but they're constantly either in pain, having headaches. Um, something's going on with their body. Their body is trying to tell them something and it's carrying that trauma that's unprocessed. So it it really can be a variety. You're also a a lot of times going to see some sort of coping behavior because they're trying to cope um, and, and push down or push away that trauma as it pops up. So things like, um, you know, drug use, um, high, high alcohol use, 
uh, you know, things like that. Uh, really, the addiction component is a huge component as well. And it could be it could be what the world. This is the tricky one. It could be what the world would deem as positive addictions as well. It doesn't necessarily. Whereas we sort of frown on the person who maybe is addicted to illegal substances in terms of drug use. However, we really um, are like, you're doing awesome if you're a CrossFit seven days a week. And I really sometimes question that because the world is saying that's positive, but perhaps that's a coming from a place for that individual where it's really still the underlying um, theme of really wanting to run away from trauma and, and bandage that. Definitely. You, that was so comprehensive. I loved it. Great. <laughs> it was good. Because um, even as you're talking, I think for listeners at home, it's a really good kind of not quite litmus test, but like a little checkpoints where it's like, okay, because I think, I think many of us have trauma in our histories. It's kind of hard to get through life without trauma in some way, shape or form. And Absolutely. so to just, you know, be reflective as you're kind of listening, as I'm listening even to you about the ways that we cope, the the symptomology, how it expresses itself in our everyday life. So, um, and you kind of already talked about how people deal, like you mentioned addictions and, you know, constant moving or constant hiding and adding things to your plate. Um, do you see yeah, anything? The only thing I add to that would maybe be that they deal in the way that they were, it was modeled to them to deal or in the best way they know how, um, given what they've been told. So a lot of people have not been given the tools to process their trauma. So they're really, they're really just trying to cope. Yeah. Do you notice anything specific to like church people when it comes to dealing with trauma? Yes. So I think this goes culturally. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think historically there was a little bit of a culture of silence when it came to trauma within the church. And then I think there was also a protective factor. So I think there was an element of we we deal with things sort of in our families in a church circle. Unfortunately, not everybody in the church was equipped to help that person. And so what I see is culture of silence and sort of a um, also a utilizing the spiritual and the relationship with God to kind of say, okay, that's going to be the lifeline. So I will just sort of put this trauma underneath the rug because I'm supposed to. So a lot of should messages I'm supposed to, I can. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think of some very real examples I've heard and, 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 and experienced as well. Um, just this idea of, well, somebody comes to you and says, I'm really struggling. And the person responding will just confess your sin and, or your, the person comes to the pastor or an individual leader and says, I'm really having a hard time with, and that person saying, well, maybe you should pray more or God can help you with that. Uh, and although these things can possibly be true statements, depending on what they are, um, it's really perhaps not where the person, what the person needs in that moment. And it's not a holistic model. So that's really where I, the spiritual is a component, but I advocate for a much um, more holistic model. Gotcha. So on the heels of that, what is sort of the way that we ought to deal with our traumas and things as they come up? What's that holistic model that you really believe in and push? Yeah. So um, 
Well, first of all, I really advocate for this idea of if someone was going to get surgery, um, they would go to the hospital and go to the surgeon, right? So really finding the person, identified person who is equipped, who God has called and equipped to help in these spaces. And then understanding when someone comes to, let's say, a church leader, right? And this person divulges information. That church leader having a resource list and knowing where to guide that individual and then what part that person plays. It doesn't mean that that person, that church leader doesn't play a role. It just might be an identified role. So we have to identify a whole team of people to wrap around that individual in the way that they need. So I really believe in one, um, staying um, within our scope of training um, so that we're not doing and coming always back to the, am I doing harm? Am I doing harm? Am I doing harm? And then the other one I would say is addressing it really, um, what I would say is aligning with before we shift. So what I mean by that is instead of being five feet in front of the person and telling them, come where we are, hurry, come over here. Actually that person aligning with stepping, standing beside, almost like they were, you were standing beside someone and holding hands with them. And then offering to take that first next step with them and letting that person take that next step with you. So I think historically we haven't always aligned. We've kind of put a message of you should be over here um, or you need to do this so that you can be over here. And I really advocate for um, beginning to address it, naming it, acknowledging it, sitting with um, and really offering a space of empathy, genuineness, um, compassion and just holding the space. And that often looks like a lot more listening and a lot less talking. (laughs) Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, Any like work that you, so you you mentioned like identifying um, a person that's, you know, and and resources and people to be kind of your wraparound team. So any like self-work that you really advocate other than finding a therapist um, and those kind of people, in dealing with trauma. Yeah. So more, most recently I've been really thinking about this idea of resourcing and how do we resource? Um, and it's really, I've thought about it in three different categories after talking to some mentors and whatnot and internal resources we can draw from external resources we can draw from and transcendent resources we can draw from. And this internal looks like, okay, let me think back to, you know, my 20 year old self and, um, Maybe I was really, there was this time where I was really strong and now I need this strength to, to move through this. And I'm going to draw from that strength um, or drawing from someone like, like, oh, my mom is so inspirational and she just gives me courage. And I'm going to draw from her courage to this situation. I'm really going to hone in on that. So that's that internal, right? Then the external things like, um, you know, friends, mentors, guides, and they can be incredibly helpful, especially when we identify, okay, this person's going to be the one who really um, supports me in my, um, you know, accountability. This is going to be the person who really supports me and just listens well. This is going to be my fun friend, so to speak. So having that team of people around you. And then the transcendent are like your church, your worship, your prayer. These are the things, your journaling, um, music, um, movement. These are nature. These are transcendent things we can draw from. So a lot of times I think people think um, on and off, like with a therapist, like 
I either can have a therapist or I can't get a therapist right now. And I like to say, okay, maybe you can't afford, or maybe you don't have the the availability to get a therapist right this second, but here are the things, here are the beginning things you can do. And then the resources, there's a ton of resources out there, um, which I'm not quick to give because it depends on where the person's at and what type of uh, resource they need. If they're a reader, if they're a listener, if they're a writer, what type of thing. But I will say, I, I like to ask a couple questions and I like to ask people, is the resource helping you when you, when you finish with that resource, when you finish engaging with that, do you feel more hope and more freedom than you did before you started engaging? If you feel more shame or more despair, the resource probably is not the right resource for you in this time period. Because the goal is to move towards greater hope and greater tools that can help you not to put you off into deeper shame. So that's how a checklist for kind of like, there are resources out there, but just being aware, checking in with yourself before you engage the resource and also after you engage the resource. And I know that was a really long answer about resources. <laughs> no, it was lovely. It was amazing. And so like, I was just thinking, cause that was kind of, that's kind of where we were wrapping up. Like that was the most powerful little punch of, of information. Um, and I love, because not every resource is for you. And I think even, you know, personally, as I walk through things, I had to kind of like, I'm a reader. So like I'd pick up a book and it'd be like, ah, this isn't quite hitting, you know, and trying to move my way through what does work and what is helpful. Um, and so I love that you offered those questions. That was just really, really good. Yeah. And the two that I would kind of the two uh, visuals that I would offer is, you know, this room full, this person in this room full of books and they're getting all this information and that's fantastic. And I believe in information um, and information can lead to healing. But to me, it's only a piece. It's only a component towards healing. That feeling to me is really healing community processing. But those are also components of healing. So the second visual I have is sort of this campfire and all the individuals are around it. and everyone's listening and connecting and holding space and allowed to speak their truth. And uh, the other person is just really providing them this space of curiosity, this space of empathy, this space of genuineness, and this space of connection. And when I think about those two examples, I think the latter offers so much more in terms of healing space. So that's the space I advocate for with outside of the walls of churches, even inside the wall of churches. Like that's what I'm advocating for is that space. I think information is great. Um, I just would be really sad if someone stopped there at the information, because to me, it robs that person of the, of an opportunity to really um, experience the depth of connection and healing through connection. Yeah. So, so good. Okay. So how can people connect with you? I'm sure people are going to listen to this and be like, how do I connect with her? How do I get more of this? Um, how do I have this woman in my life? So how can people connect with you? Any socials, any resources, any way they can contact? Yes, I love to connect with people. Um, I love to connect. I, I always say one of my favorite things to do is connect my people with my people. <laughs> um, and so I think that world makes the world a better place. So I'm pretty um, open in terms of... Um, being connected on 
social media. I'm on Facebook, Aaron Pruitt, Jacksonville, Florida. You can find me really easily. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, although not as active or quite as forward thinking as some of our 20 year old friends. Um, I am present on Instagram. I've not, I've not gotten to the whole TikTok thing yet, but, um, so, so, so I'm a little older, older school email always works as well. Aaron M. Pruitt, um, E-R-I-N-M as in Michelle Pruitt, P-R-U-E-T-T at gmail.com. Um, so if, you should easily be able to find me through any of those. You can also, um, Aaron at rethreaded.com. Um, and so, yeah, feel free to connect with me, shoot me questions, shoot me your thoughts. Um, I love to stay engaged. And if I know of a resource or a tool that I can guide you to, I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah, guys, definitely take advantage of that. That's a lot of access. <laughs> so um, definitely take advantage of that. Connect with her. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, you're also seeing clients, right? Are you accepting new clients? Very limited. Very limited. Very limited. So, yes, unfortunately, uh, we know the limitations of hours per day. But, um, yeah, I, I trust I trust the process. And what I mean by that is I trust that the people who are meant to make it to me will make it to me um, in terms of the private practice. So, um, yeah, the worst, I always love it when people reach out, the worst I'm going to give you is I can't right now. Um, and then at least we can begin to build that connection and it would either work at a later time or I can guide you to somebody else who can help you. So I do encourage listeners, if you're feeling like, um, I don't know where to go, just take that first step. You never know where that's going to lead to. Definitely. Such good stuff. Such a therapist answer. It's so good. Okay. So guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope this was as good to you as it was to me because it was phenomenal. It was so, so good. So definitely connect with Erin. Um, and I can post all of her, um, touch points onto the show notes for this particular episode. Um, and we will be back next week with more goodness. And it's just, I mean, you know, top the untoppable, but we're going to keep getting great. So thank you guys for listening. Have an amazing week. Boss it out. Bye. Bye.